0: I'll go start the coffee.
1: I'll be down in a minute.
0: Scooby dooby dooby doob. Pastor Rand Laura, wake up.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our daily Bible study. Thank you. Um <laughs> <one came> <laughs> <you. laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess you're welcome <clears throat> to be here. Thanks. I wouldn't I wouldn't be here if you weren't here.
0: Why? You
1: just accountability. I wouldn't wake up this early if you know you were still sleeping. I would probably do my morning routine a few days, but then just start sleeping in. Yeah,
0: it's good to have accountability partners, mm-hmm. keep you motivated.
1: Yes, so we are on chapter three of Jonah, Jonah chapter three. And if you're in your Bible, you can see this is we're halfway through the book of Jonah. And I feel like we've already done the parts that everyone knows. So this might be getting into some stuff that people don't know.
0: Especially if you've only read children's Bibles.
1: I don't want to sound like I've only read children's uh, Bibles. No,
0: you. I don't think that's <laughs> true, but I think that...
1: But I do read them more. I have, I should say, I have read them more often than I read the Bible. Growing up, at least. Because mm-hmm. when you're a kid, at least the first... 12 years of your life you're probably more likely reading abridged versions or children's versions and if you go to a lutheran school you get these same stories drilled Mm -hmm. in your head over and over again not drilled like that sounded bad (laughs) but in a good way (laughs) but you hear only the stories that people think are appropriate for children or at the level that children can learn and then there's just some content you don't get into until you're in confirmation or you're in high school. And then if you don't go to a Lutheran high school, which I did, so we dug into some of this stuff, but if you didn't and you just went to confirmation class... Most people
0: don't go to a Lutheran high school. So
1: then I'm saying, when would you really dig into some of this stuff? Because not every single part of the Bible is in the um, liturgy or not... Mm -hmm. What am I saying? Not
0: liturgy. Pericope? Yeah.
1: Explain
0: that. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I don't... Yeah, I think it's the pericope. It's the so, th- three-year cycle. So, yeah, there is a three-year cycle of readings that we use in our church. There is a historical one that's a one-year cycle. But basically how it's laid out is that the gospel lesson is the key lesson so everything bases off of that and by gospel I mean something from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and then there is an Old Testament lesson an epistle which is one of the letters of Paul and then a um a psalm, as well. So there's four readings, and over that three year period, you'll cycle through a large chunk of the Bible, because it's whatever that is, one hundred fifty six different Sundays that you read this. So one hundred fifty six mm-hmm. times three. You know, you're Psalms, somewhere in the four hundred
1: fifty six times.
0: So four hundred fifty. <laughs> Yeah. different sections of the Bible that you'd go through.
1: But that does not cover the whole no. Bible.
0: Correct? No, you don't okay. read you don't read every verse of the Bible. But the, the intent of it is is to cover the full counsel of God. So trying to not leave anything out so that if you're a preacher that you are able to talk about everything that God does to your people. Otherwise, you can get very repetitive or go into something. But it's it's something that I very much enjoy and I think is a real positive of our church that I preach every week on what these lessons are. Mm-hmm. And there's a rhythm to the church here, and we go through Lent and Pentecost and things. But it's not, okay, this is going on in our country, our world, so I'm just going to preach about this.
1: Not topical. It's like not, you're just not choosing what, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not just
0: (laughs) picking something out and saying... Like oh, in Mark you know Twain
1: what? or Little House on the Prairie, they'd be talking about preachers who were like, I'm gonna talk about that this Sunday, what you guys are doing, you know. Yeah. Like just <laughs> yeah, I heard,
0: yeah, I heard something happened. So like, oh well I'm gonna grind my axe against the people this Sunday and really go on, on this. No, it's this is what I'm gonna do. Now You're some,
1: pre- preaching about what God says mm-hmm. and incorporating applications for the real world but not just right but
0: i I, we start with god's word right and then we apply it to people we do not start with an application that we want to get across and then look for passages of god's word to support that and those are very different things because it's what is my uh agenda Mm -hmm. to talk to people and then i want to find god supporting me somewhere Mm-hmm. And that's just this is uh using God's word as an or is the metaphor. Like or to push like my O A R Yeah, O A R. Not the band. But to push and my to push my agenda. boat yeah, agenda okay. forward. So
1: Well this has just kinda of gotten on a, it's a good stuff, but this is not where I was going with that. I was okay. just saying that you going if you wanted to read the whole Bible just going to church wouldn't really get you every verse. And then, of course, there's the fact that people are sick, people go on vacations, people have to go to the bathroom or take their children out of service, and so you may miss multiple sections Mm of the Bible (laughs) any given Sunday. And so, yeah, you could very easily never have heard this section if you are only... Relying on what you'd hear at church or in a sermon,
0: and that everyone is on the edge of their seats, wondering what's going to happen next.
1: Turn up the intensity. This chapter is only ten verses. I don't want to fly through it and be done.
0: Well, we'll talk about what it says.
1: All right. So we got the first. I like to summarize things. If that's something people probably have already noticed in this podcast. It's just a teaching and reading comprehension strategy that I just use in my daily life is constantly summarizing things that happen to me. (laughs) So, uh, first two chapters, it's the common story. Jonah's told what to do, doesn't listen, goes the opposite way, gets swallowed by a fish, prays, fish vomits him out. Now we're in chapter three. So what happens after he gets spit out on land? Let's find Ooh. out. Jonah goes to Nineveh. 3 verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's actually where the story usually ends. You know, yes. he listened, and that's he sad. listened, But now there's a lot more because there's, you know, what actually happens when he listens. Mm-hmm. So continuing on, first three, second half of it. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Um, quickly, quick, quick question there. It required three days? Like you When you walk in, you have to stay three days, or it's just like so no. large that if you he's saying, if you wanted to see the whole city, you have to really like
0: oh, no, it's not like that we're okay, well, if you're gonna visit New York, you can't just go <laughs> Don't for, a go day. for a day yeah,
1: you gotta take a whole week you know <laughs> yeah.
0: no so the the newer translations are it's a it's a three days walk through it oh. um so if you started walking, you know, it would take you three days to get all the way across it and uh, the Hebrew it is a great city
1: so Um, important city could just mean like large city I mean it is also important but there's a lot of notes in my bible here about how large it is it says later we're going to find out it's about 120,000 people um it was about 8 miles around but it might have been larger at different times
0: yeah we'll we'll get to that i have a couple of thoughts but yeah so it was large that's the point it's so. the 3 days is is a very big city. Whether or not it took three days to go across, or it's just kind of a mm. idiom we don't... I just,
1: yeah, I don't know I I mean, we don't know a lot about how many days it took to visit other cities, because some of the other prophets just like, woe to you, Jerusalem, and mm-hmm. y- yelling at people, and you don't really know how long it took them to travel through Jerusalem. Like, we don't have something to necessarily compare it to because you know, I don't know, know that it was mentioned ever before. So. Yeah,
0: it's not three days from Japa either but because that, it's like, like 500 miles away.
1: Also just walking but at, what if you stop and have to lecture the people for a day and then next day you walk a little further and you have to do more talking so is it just three days of actual walking then you add the time that you're actually conversing with people like it's I just don't know. complex. Yeah. Anyway, it's a big city. It's important. All right. But that's not required. It's not like you can't just walk in and walk out, and the people are like, no, 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 you have to stay for three days.
0: No, (laughs) or just walk and be like, hey, everybody, come to this fountain. I'm going to, or this well, I'm going to start talking to you. Yeah. You know, it might have been that he went in and to be able to proclaim this message properly i don't Mm -hmm. know okay but anyway it's not important the important part is it's large
1: on the first day verse four on the first day jonah started into the city he proclaimed 40 more days and nineveh will be overturned the ninevites believed god they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth when the news reached the king of nineveh he rose from his throne took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Should I read the last verse? What do you want to talk about?
0: Let's hold it. Um, so what do you... I think this is interesting because we, we read this a lot in the Bible of people putting on sackcloth and sitting in the dust or tearing their clothes. Mm-hmm. And those aren't really things that we do.
1: They're not at all things that we do no, anymore. No. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's something I know, because like I said, i read the Bible before, but if you've never read it before, this could be a first time. Sackcloth is tra- Just, a traditional way of showing you're in mourning. Yeah, it's or an itchy,
0: uncomfortable clothing. Trying
1: to like torture yourself a little if you're feeling well, like Well, all you're these things,
0: putting dust on your head, um, wearing the sackcloth, these different things. Well,
1: they're fasting as
0: well. Fasting. So they're ways of showing humility and suffering But sometimes externally. people did it
1: if they did something wrong, right? hmm But did people also do this if, like, they were mourning a death of someone else? Like, this is not, like, part of a funeral, you wouldn't put on sackcloth if, like, your sister died or something.
0: No, I think no, It's s- just like sackcloth your personal... is more of personal warning okay. and repentance of just showing that you are truly repentant on the outside of You've what's got ever inside. Say I don't think this? there's a,
1: like when you're doing something wrong, show you you're sorry by. I would have to look. I think this. there
0: are. I might be wrong about this, but I'm thinking in some of the prophets, when the prophets are preaching to the children of Israel, like in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and telling them to repent, he says, repent, put on sackcloth, call out to the Lord.
1: Who do you think was the first person to put on sackcloth? Did David do it? After he... I
0: guess I could... Just search for sackcloth and
1: see. <laughs> That's probably...
0: Not on Google. No, I'm, he's my Bible. in his
1: uh, Bible app, Logos, and searching. Why well, are you searching, in Jonah? Anyway, I think it's interesting that Jonah was putting this off. He did not want to go to Nineveh for whatever reason. Either thought he was going to get rejected or thought it was going to be too hard or maybe he thought his life was in danger if he preached this. And he gets there, and it says, On the first day, he said this, and then the Ninevites believed God. <sighs> mm.
0: So, sackcloth <laughs> is mentioned, and in Amos Ann and in Joel, they tell people to put on sackcloth. In Daniel, Ezekiel, Lamentations, Jeremiah,
1: Job, Isaiah. Didn't he?
0: Believe so. Okay. Job, Esther. Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of sackcloth in the Old Testament going on. And we do something kind of similar. I mean, it's very different, but the kneeling before you pray, if you kneel by your bed before you pray at night, that is. Showing outwardly what's going on inwardly. Mm-hmm. And there are, I mean, the the mind many times does follow the body. So if your body is in a position to do something, your mind will follow. So having kneeling in the state of humiliation or even just folding your hands and bowing your head and closing your eyes. It's this physical position that allows you to focus on the act that you're doing. And the sackcloth was that way, that we are going to pray for a good amount of time. Or modern day, we're going to wear black to this funeral. We're going to do these things that show what's on the inside of us and really just be in that state.
1: Yeah, I think we've gotten away from some of those traditions. I mean, like, at least in our our church. I haven't been to a lot of Wells Lutheran churches where there's kneeling benches anymore. Mm-mm. But I know they still have them in some Catholic churches, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I wonder if that's because people don't like to go to church to... Be sad anymore, or be hit with the law.
1: Well, right. I'm not. I'm not saying whether it's. I don't want to get in a debate about whether or not we need to bring back (laughs) kneeling in church. But um, I agree with what you said that you, you when you put yourself physically in a position, it affects your mindset. So you're humbling yourself and like getting down and saying, "I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. I'm repentant." And then sometimes, you know, if you're just standing there reading through the words.
0: Yeah. No, just to be clear, your it doesn't make your prayer more powerful. No. It's for your own so if you it's for are you like
1: to focus. If you
0: something. cannot get down on your knees for one no. or another reason <laughs> you don't
1: no. No, I I've honestly never even like by my bed, you know, I don't kneel to pray. I wonder if it would be helpful, you know, just Mm -hmm. to put, like, I'm focused, this is why I'm praying, you know. But anyway, that's, that could be another discussion about making yourself more intentional, Mm -hmm. focused when you're praying, what you can do. But then there also is the flip side where we, we could pray anytime, anywhere, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be doing anything specific, and that's good to have a level of comfort with God that you would feel, I can just be driving in my car and praying to God or I could mm-hmm. be doing the dishes and praying to God and I can talk to God any time. I don't have to do step one, step two, step three for my prayer to no. be heard and it's not more valid or I'm not more focused, but there may there's probably pros and cons. and.
0: Well, I think you are more focused if you're saying right now, for whatever it is 30 seconds right to 5 minutes or even longer to just be like I'm going to pray and, and that's all else, I'm going to yeah. do not I'm going to multitask and say
1: "Well, I'm not geez, saying like go into it like no, no, no. I'm going to but I also need to do this but just, yeah like, I'm driving praying. and I think
0: about someone that I said I'd pray for mm. and I you know just even the just the Bible say, also I'd,
1: says pray continuously like mm-hmm. you don't have to Be a monk, you know, and only pray. You can pray all the time, Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. Okay, now, what did you think about the people just taking this message so quickly? In verse 5, the people believed God.
0: It's awesome. I mean, the Holy (laughs) Spirit... Well, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that he...
1: He wasn't driven out in stone for... No, he staying. wasn't driven <laughs> out and
0: stone. And it's just this message that... I mean, Jonah didn't want to go there for whatever reason. But the Babylonians... Or I'm sorry, the Assyrians. They're they known for being a God-fearing people. And they hear this message and they say, Oh, you're right. Okay, we'll repent. And so often... For me, there's fear, even when I tell someone that they are living in sin and they need to repent, that I am going to receive backlash, and it's going to be this huge personal struggle in the relationship that I have with these people, mm-hmm. and that's something I have to get over we as, all, as a pastor. I'll do. Yeah, but I mean, as a pastor, that's my job a lot of times, is to call people back and say... You, this is not the way that God wants us to live our lives. But just how strong the Holy Spirit is, where people can just hear the message, you are living in sin, you're away from God. And sometimes people will just go, Oh, you're right. Thank you. And then and, turn. Yeah. And that's that's it. I mean It's a
1: good sign. It seems like they knew, you know, like they kinda knew already, like, Yeah, you're right. This mm-hmm. wasn't like brand new news to them, so maybe they had a a faith already, or some some something like that.
0: But I think your your point I kind of just skipped over the contrast of this and Paul's journeys, where it was some believed, some did not. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah, he was stoned, he was beaten, all these different things, and here you have the whole city going. Okay, everyone, <laughs> repent. Okay.
1: Yeah, in Acts, <laughs> it was like these big long sermons about you are stiff-necked you are this you did this you've turned from God. like and all it says here i'm sure he I'm 40 sure. more
0: days and nineveh will be overturned just shouting at three days walking <laughs> yeah, through the I'm city picturing,
1: like the people in las vegas who have the bullhorns you know who mm. are just like stop sinning you're going to hell and then you know how many people are receptive to that sort of thing well,
0: I mean, he must have said w- more because there's, there's not even a mention of God no. in his message there.
1: They believed God. Well, right, not in his message. The next one says yeah. they believed God. Um, and then, well, we've been sitting here going on some other tangents. I just saw in my notes in my Concordia self-study Bible that verse 6 when it says, The king of Nineveh. Nine Notes says that's actually the king of Assyria.
0: Well, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria.
1: Sure, I'm not... want to get into the governmental structure at the time, but it's not a sub-ruler who's only, like, the mayor of the city, just noting that this is the entire... This is going to be a much larger region than just Nineveh mm-hmm. that could be affected by this. Well, and
0: it's, it's interesting that the king is the one that comes up with the... Who knows? God might relent from all of this. Yeah. And it's not Jonah going, if you repent, it's also not God saying,
1: Well, again, he if might you have, repent. He might have said something. Like, repent and turn from your ways. Like, yeah. in his sermon, we don't know exactly what he said, but...
0: I think it's just another kind of mini-sub-point to just when we're preaching the law, to just preach the law that our sins deserve eternal death. And leave that statement stand, that's true. Rather than saying, oh, you did something wrong, but it can be forgiven, like, in the same breath. The law and the gospel are different things, and we need to teach both of them clearly.
1: I know, but I, I think that it is important to time, not, like, necessarily same breath, you want to let the law sink in but you can't only preach the law
0: no that wouldn't be good I didn't mean that, I mean when we're preaching the law we preach the law when we preach the gospel, we preach the gospel they're used in tandem with each other For are only preaching the law it's going to be awful no one will know they're safe and they're going to hate God if we only preach the gospel eventually people will think well, you know, God loves me no matter what I do so it doesn't matter how I live my life
1: Right, but I think in a lot of there's a lot of places in the Bible where you put them together in the same paragraph, even mm-hmm. the same sentence. So I don't know. I think your point was a little weird there.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, you do have to, depending on the situation, be heavy with the law, or be heavy with the gospel. But it's all case by case. Mm-hmm. And if they're accepting this message on the first day. And they're mourning. they're not just like, "Oh, you're mad at us. What do we need to do?" You know, mm-hmm. They're actually really, really sorry
0: mm-hmm.
1: about, well, about it.
0: You right know? The goal
1: Now he needs to comfort them. The
0: goal of the law is not just to make people feel bad. The goal of the law is to show them that they need a savior and then and then. You have to tell them who their savior is. We don't mm. want them to stay in that guilt. So,
1: it's good to clear that, that up. I think it's good that, there was, that he probably did mention some gospel, which is why they have hope that they can turn it around, turn their lives around and do the right thing, worship the true God. So, in conclusion, verse 10,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when God saw what they did and how they turned their evil ways, turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. See? There's forgiveness.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. There is. And this is what God wants to do. Yeah. God God doesn't... I don't know. I guess find enjoyment or his... (laughs) To, to destroy his creation, to destroy souls that he has on the earth, when he sends someone to him. I mean, he sent a prophet to him. If he really hated Nineveh, he would have just let it do whatever it wanted. But he sends his prophet to a city that's not in Israel, that's known for attacking the Israelites, to let them know that the path that they're going on is going to cause physical destruction and ultimately eternal destruction. So it's a wonderful example of God caring for more than just the children of Israel, but caring for all people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, repentance and God's mercy Mm -hmm. that's here. God's forgiveness.
1: That's We still have one more chapter left, so we do. We'll find out what else God has to teach us through Jonah's life and journeys. And I think Jonah
0: chapter 4 is actually the whole point of the book of Jonah. Ooh. Rather than
1: Well, then you don't want to miss this. I won't. <laughs> I'm talking to the people like a cliffhanger, (laughs) like a promo trailer. You won't want to miss the fourth chapter of Jonah.
0: Yeah, well, we will do that tomorrow. Have a great day.
1: Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor Rand, Laura, wake up.